Good evening, my friends, and welcome back to 62 Horror Movies with Josh Hitchens. That's me, where I will be your host for a creepy double feature every night throughout the month of October. Come and join me, won't you? So tonight, my friends, is October the 6th, and for our double feature this evening in celebration of Halloween, I have chosen two movies that are about, well, they're both really vivid portraits of small towns, and small towns that are consumed by amorphous, scary things. So I don't really know how to shorten that into something that that sounds more snappy. Um, But our first feature of the night is The Blob from 1958, where a small town is gradually consumed by an amoeba from space that eats people and becomes bigger and bigger. And our second feature of the night is The Fog from 1980, directed by John Carpenter, about a really uh, beautiful seaside town with a dark secret, and the fog gradually overtakes the town, and there are scary, murdery things inside the fog. So that's what we're going to do tonight. Um, And The Blob, made in in 1958, was... Directed by Irvin Yeworth Jr. and written by Kay Lineker and Theodore Simonson. And it's, uh, if you're in the Philadelphia area like myself, it's also kind of a local movie as well, in a way. Um, Because The Blob was an independent film that was filmed on location in Phoenixville and Downingtown, Pennsylvania. uh, Using a lot of actors from the area as well. And actually, uh, every year, uh, not this year, unfortunately, it's uh, been canceled, but um, since 2000, uh, the town of Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, has Blobfest um, every year, uh, where you can visit a lot of the locations, including the Colonial Theater, and people reenact running out screaming en masse like they do in the 1958 movie. And uh, Chef's Diner in Downingtown, which is used in the blob, is also still in operation. They filmed in the basement, and they'll actually let people uh, go in take photographs in the basement, which looks relatively unchanged since filming. Um, so that's a fun thing about the blob. And because it's filmed on location, it really captures... A small town like in the autumn like going through these dark dark woods and these amazing 50s cars and you know the um the sort of like greaser kids are gonna go to uh see a horror movie double feature at the move at the movie theater and they try and get the other people to go um and there's drag racing involved so the blob really gives you everything you want from a 1950s horror movie that sort of spooky, fun, sci-fi horror um, that is so typical of the 1950s, I think. Um, 
one of the reasons I think The Blob was a big success, actually, was its theme song. And we're gonna just start to play it a little bit underneath while I'm talking here. Um, so the theme song for The Blob was actually a point of contention for the director, um, Irvin Yeworth, because he wanted the opening music of The Blob to be this super scary, um kind of thing to make you like, ooh, this is going to be such a terrifying movie. Instead, the opening credits have this song that's playing now, Beware of the Blob. It's actually written by Burt Bacharach and Mac David, and it became... No, pause. It's super fun. Uh, actually became a nationwide hit. Uh, reached number 33 on the, bill bar, on the Billboard chart in 1958. Um, and this song really sets up that, oh, this is going to be fun. Which I think is a huge reason why this movie was successful. Is from the opening credits of this song, you're like, okay, this is in, I'm already enjoying this. I'm going to go along for the ride here. And... And as I said, this was an independent movie, was made, um, uh, had a budget of $120,000, actually ended up only costing $110,000, so they came in $10,000 below budget on this film, which is pretty incredible, uh, and it was a huge hit, and it grossed $4 million, so gigantic, gigantic, um, independent film success. One of the other things that makes this movie work really well are the two leads, um, and those leads are played by two actors who were making their film debuts. First uh, is Steve McQueen, who is billed as Stephen McQueen um, in the opening credits of The Blob. He would later drop to just Steve McQueen. Uh, and he is great in this movie. You know, Steve McQueen was an actor-studio actor, um, you know, in the 1950s. So, And, like, he really brings such a gravitas and just a really commanding and likable um, and attractive presence uh, in this movie. It's, he's honestly great in it. Um, he, he's the perfect hero um, for the blob. And... Right alongside him also making her film debut is Anita Corsat um, as Jane. And this was her first movie, and she is, again, absolutely wonderful in it. Um, totally the match for Steve, for Steve McQueen, whose character's name is also Steve. Um, sh the film opens with this um, very, very long kiss between them in close-up. And Steve McQueen calls her Janie Girl. Um, and Anita Corsett says, my name is Jane. Just Jane. You know, so in the first seconds of the movie, she's standing up for, for herself. And you're like, oh, great. Like, this, she's not going to be the typical, you know, damsel in distress. Like, she's a really strong, wonderful character in this movie. And it's, I don't quite know why... Anita Corsat did not have a bigger film career because she's just as good as Steve McQueen is in this hit movie of 1958. 
but uh, she had uncredited roles in three other movies and then um, had a role in the 1970s slasher movie The Toolbox Murders, which I actually haven't seen. Um, but I remember Stephen King talking about it in Dance Macabre and saying it's like one of the most, the grossest horror, like slasher movies he's ever seen. Um, and that's it. Like no other movies for her. Um, but she did have a lengthy career in television. She did, was in a lot of Western shows. Um, is probably most remembered for playing the role of Helen Crump on the Andy Griffith show. Um, and she also popped up in all the, you know, um, Andy Griffith show, Mayberry TV uh, reunion movies. And also appeared in several episodes of Andy Griffith's later show, Matlock. Um which was her final role. Um, don't know why she w wasn't a bigger thing, because she's awesome in this movie. Um, the other thing that really works about this movie is, of course, the blob itself. Um, starts off with a meteor um, crashing in the woods near this uh, small town in Pennsylvania, and an old man happens upon the meteor, and inside the meteor there's this goo and he pokes the goo with a stick, and the goo travels up the stick and goes onto his arm. And he's found by Steve McQueen and Anita, um, who take him to a doctor, and the blob slowly consumes the old man, and then the doctor, and then it becomes bigger and bigger, and starts taking over the whole town, including filling a movie theater and then covering a diner. Um, it's, it's really, really, really fun. Um, and it's obviously a low budget movie, um, but they really make the blob work. Um, one of the things that's fun about it is that as, um, so the blob itself was made from silicone and as it absorbed people, they added in, um, increasing amounts of red vegetable dye to this silicone mass, um, to make it look like it's like blood, blood red at the end, or like strawberry jam. Um, take your pick. Um, both can be true um, and still be enjoyable. Um, and uh, the blob itself was actually bought by a man named Wes Shank, uh, who wrote a book about the making of the blob, which is an actually really fun read if you can get a hold of it. Um, the blob, I think, also... Uh, hits a little different now because of its ending. And I'm not going to say too much uh, about the ending because I don't want to spoil it for you. But it's really the very last sentence of the blob that, that strikes you. And the last line uttered in this movie is, Yeah, as long as the Arctic stays cold. And that hits a little different now in 2020 with global warming. So who knows? Maybe the blob will emerge again. It'd be a really great idea for to do a sequel now. Um, there was a really great remake of the blob that was done in 1988 that I'm going to cheat now and also recommend. Um, it's much, much more of a horror film um, than the original blob is. It's a lot gorier. Like, they could go a lot farther 
of course, with the special effects of the blob itself and also the gore, the gore effects uh, as the blob like eats people from within. Um, but there's still some a lot of fun in that remake of 1988 too. So I uh, recommend checking that out at some point as well. Um, so where can you watch the blob? Um, so the blob has been... Um, in recent years released as part of the Criterion collection of DVDs and Blu-rays, um, who like sort of collect, you know, the, some of the best movies of all time together and like restore them and give uh, them tons and tons of extras. Their Criterion's really, really great. Um, they have a streaming service called the Criterion Channel, which I do not actually subscribe to, um, but the blob may like is probably on that i would imagine and i'm pretty sure you can get like a short free trial from them and then cancel it um uh the blob is available on dvd and blu-ray and you can also rent it uh or purchase it as i did uh on amazon prime um the blob is a really great fun movie it is so 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 50s which i think is a really fun moment in horror movie history where you really get a lot of really fantastical otherworldly things um and then after the same release the same year as this you have also hammer's curse of frankenstein and horror of dracula which changes sort of the direction of horror movies again um so this i the blob i think is an epitome of the 50s really really fun um genuinely creepy moments and also just a really like vivid portrait of a small Pennsylvania town outside of the city of Philadelphia. So enjoy watching The Blob. We'll take a break, pause this, and then come back for our second movie of the evening. 1.55, almost midnight. Enough time for one more story. One more story before 12. Just to keep us warm. In five minutes, it'll be the 21st of April. 100 years ago, on the 21st of April, out in the waters around Spivey Point, a small clipper ship drew toward land. Suddenly, out of the night, the fog rolled in. For a moment, they could see nothing, not a foot ahead of them. And then they saw a light. My God, it was a fire burning on the shore, strong enough to penetrate the swirling mist. They steered a course toward the light, but it was a campfire like this one the ship crashed against the rocks the hull sheared in two the mast snapped like a twig and the wreckage sank with all the men aboard at the bottom of the sea lay the elizabeth dane with her crew their lungs filled with salt water their eyes open staring into the darkness and above as suddenly as it had come the fog lifted receded back across the ocean and never came again 
And that was the wonderfully atmospheric opening performed by the great actor John Hausman for John Carpenter's 1980 movie, The Fog. And that is our second double feature of the night. An interesting thing about the, couple interesting things about the opening of this film, which has John Hausman as this grizzled old sea captain who is um, sitting with young children around a campfire on the beach late at night, just before midnight. And as he's talking, sometimes the camera pans around at the children watching him, and the children watching him did not know what they would be hearing um, from this story. So all the reactions that you see the kids having as John Halsman tells this really creepy tale um, are genuine. And there's one, um, I think, little boy in particular who, like, the camera lingers on his face and you just watch his eyes get wider and wider. Like, he's really scared. Um, It's a great opening to the movie. And the other interesting thing about this opening is that it was not originally part of The Fog. Uh, So John Carpenter, when he made this movie... um, And he wrote it as well with his partner, uh, Deborah Hill, who also um, co-wrote Halloween with him, which we'll be getting to a little bit later. But they made The Fog, and then they watched it, and they realized that the movie did not work, um, that the movie just kind of sucked. So John Carpenter did a lot of rewrites, did a lot of reshooting, Um, And he estimates that about 25% of the movie that we now see is that new footage um, that he shot for The Fog. And the things he added included um, this opening scene, which is amazing at setting tone for this film. Uh, And he also added more details about the underlying backstory of what, the fog is and why it's happening to make it make more sense Uh, and he also added a lot more shots with um sort of the zombie ghosts in the fog who are actually ghosts of these leprous sailors um so they're super creepy um and he added more gore as well because he realized that the fog was going to be um Competing with movies that were a lot gorier, um, like Friday the 13th, um, that was released the same year The Fog was in 1980, you know, really starting the trend towards um, horror movies having a lot more um, fantastical kills and lots of gore. But The Fog is not a really gory horror movie. Um, It is admirably restrained and very intentional about what it shows you and when it shows you things. Um, I mean, excellent, excellently directed by John Carpenter, um, who is really, I think, one of the horror movie directors that understands that less is more. Like, John Carpenter's best movies are all about restraint, um, which makes the dread and the build up to the scares, I think, much, much more valuable. Um, 
So it's great directing from him. Like, is the is the fog like a masterpiece that will blow you away? No, probably not. But it is a very good movie, and it's a movie that does exactly what it sets out to do and creates a really fantastic mood and atmosphere throughout. Um, the inspiration for The Fog actually happened when John Carpenter and Deborah Hill were actually visiting Stonehenge. And as they were looking at Stonehenge, they looked behind them, and they saw this fog, this mist starting to form uh, in the distance. And it started getting bigger and bigger and bigger and getting closer to them. And they started thinking about, like, what if there was something that was in the fog coming to get you? And that's the genesis of this movie. And like The Blob, it's a really wonderful portrait of a small seacoast town, the town of Antonio Bay, um, which is celebrating or about to celebrate its 100th anniversary on the single day in which this movie is set. It's set within a 24-hour period. Um, and so you get just wonderful little details about the ta- about the town and its history, and also the location work is incredibly evocative with the beach and this isolated lighthouse um, where the radio where the town radio station is, um, and the old sort of dark and creepy looking Gothic church. Um, just really, really great stuff. Um, and then you see the fog gradually take over and the things that are in the fog. And let's talk about the cast of this movie. Because the cast of this movie is absolutely fantastic. And another big reason why The Fog is a really, really excellent horror movie that I have to watch every October. So in this cast, um, in the sort of the lead or the co-lead it's a it's hard to say it's a really great ensemble movie actually um but you have adrian barbeau as stevie wayne who is the radio dj of the town radio station and she just has this incredible voice for radio um and she broadcasts late at night as well and she's completely isolated on this lighthouse that has like a million stairs that you have to walk to get to from the mainland um she really gets her steps in uh but adrian barbeau is absolutely terrific um brings a great weight and gravitas to stevie um who's raising her young son uh, by herself, and Adrian Barbeau was actually the wife of John Carpenter at the time. Um, she's awesome. Also, we have Tom Atkins in this movie playing the character Nick Castle. Um, Nick Castle, a bit of horror trivia, some of you may know. Nick Castle's the actor who played The Shape, a.k.a. Michael Myers, in the first Halloween directed by John Carpenter. And so... Um, Tom Atkins plays Nick Castle. And general rule of thumb for all horror movies in the 1980s, that if you are looking at the movie and you see that Tom Atkins is in the movie, you watch it. Tom Atkins is one of 80s horror movies' hugest icons, great actor, hugely entertaining 
in whatever he does. He's awesome. Um, and we have Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie. And Jamie Lee Curtis, of course, made her film debut as Laurie Strode in John Carpenter's Halloween in 1978. And here we have... Um, Jamie Lee Curtis returning for her second Carpenter film, uh, The Fog, in 1980. Jamie Lee Curtis uh, was, of, of course, one of is one of the great scream queens. She uh, did quite a few horror movies in the early 1980s, um, and some really, really fun ones, uh, like Prom Night and Terror Train. Um, but she's really fun in The Fog because the part she plays is kind of the polar opposite of Laurie Strode in Halloween. You know, Laurie Strode is, you know, in Halloween is sort of uh, the ultimate virginal um, wo young woman. Uh, and you can see Jamie Lee Curtis having so much fun in The Fog because she gets to play a woman who is just a much more of a free spirit. Like, she's, hit she's hitchhiking. Tom Atkins picks her up in his truck. Um, and Jamie Lee Curtis asks him, are you weird? And Tom Atkins thinks about it for a moment and then he says, yes. And then Jamie Lee Curtis says, oh, thank God. And so you fall in love with her immediately and you see that she's just this really fun young woman. Um, and she go and like, she goes to bed with Tom Atkins, like, very soon after meeting him, which, you know, who, I mean, I would, who wouldn't? Um, and like, she's just so free and it's really, it's, she thanked, she had an interview where she thanked John Carpenter for casting her in this part and allowing her to explore different parts of herself, um, in such a different role. Um, and she's absolutely great in it. Um, and one of the other great pleasures of The Fog is that Jamie Lee Curtis gets to act in a movie with her mother. And probably a lot of you know, but in case you don't, Jamie Lee Curtis's mother is Janet Lee, who played Marion Crane in Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, which we'll get to in a couple days. Um, Janet, this is one of um, Janet Lee's few major roles um, after Psycho. Um, it's great to see her play such a big part in this movie. You know, this is exactly 20 years after Psycho, and she plays uh, Kathy, who is, like, sort of the town busybody of the town council. Like, a, she's the one arranging the whole, you know, 100th anniversary of Antonio Bay celebration. Um, she's always just very exasperated um, and funny and sharp. Um, and it's just so good. Janet Lee is such a wonderful, wonderful actor. And it's great to see her and Jamie Lee Curtis in the same movie, um, which they would do one more time in 1998 for Halloween H2O. Uh, and in Halloween H2O, Janet Lee is actually driving the same car, that she, the same kind of car that she drove as Marion Crane in Psycho, which is a fun detail. Halloween H2O is not a great movie, um, but it's worth watching at least once um, to see her and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis again together. Um, and the final main person in the cast of The Fog is 
the wonderful Hal Holbrook as Father Malone, a sort of alcoholic priest who, fi who kind of finds his purpose throughout the course of this movie. Hal Holbrook, wonderful character actor. You've seen him in a million things, uh, and he's terrific in this film. Um, he finds er early on in the walls of the church um, this old journal that tells the secret of what really happened 100 years ago with that shipwreck at Antonio Bay. And if you look closely at the writing in that journal, you can tell very quickly that the person who was assigned to write it was really exasperated um, because along if you read it carefully there's like the text that Hal Holbrook is saying but then there's a bunch of text that is uh can't believe it got past the cameraman um like there's profanity and like really erotic stuff and it, it's a fun thing to to pause to pause and catch um one of those little things uh so the fog was actually uh, even though John Carpenter had, had a huge su success with Halloween, um, had a budget of only $1 million. Um, so it was made on a very, very uh, comparatively low budget for a lot of horror movies at the time. But John Carpenter didn't want it to look like a low budget movie. So he chose to shoot The Fog in uh, anamorphic widescreen. So, and like, he's just so good at framing shots um, for maximum atmosphere and like the fog does not look like a movie that was made cheaply uh even though it was um and like the way they used the fog and the way the the zombie leper sailor ghosts appear is really creepy and the fog also has a wonderful um final shot a bit of a surprise ending so it is a excellent film um Highly recommend it. Hope you enjoy it. So watch The Fog, and then we will come back and close out the night. My friends, thank you for joining me for 62 Horror Movies with Josh Hitchens. That's me. Tomorrow night... I feel like a haunted house party. We are going to have a double feature of William Castle movies. First, House on Haunted Hill from 1959, starring Vincent Price. And then, Thirteen Ghosts from 1960. Until then, my friends, happy Halloween. <laughs>